This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. Joining me is Andrew Mercado, TV historian, TV critic and regular Media Week contributor. Welcome back, Andrew. Thank you, James. Now, look, there's so much to get through. I feel like we need to power through some of this today because I was thinking it was the other day I was thinking, oh, I've finished a few series and I was thinking, oh, there's not a lot around. But then when you really dig into it, there's actually quite a lot around. There is always a British crime drama to watch, (laughs) and you're never run short of that. For sure. And that's, and I say this without, you know, I find it hard to keep up to date with Netflix, for example, just just the avalanche of new content all the time on Netflix, you know. So that's um, – but but one thing that has caught your eye, now you wrote about this recently in your uh, Friday column in Media Week, Eden, the um, new Australian production commissioned by Stan, made by Every Cloud. Yeah, and uh, it's disappointing. I didn't like it and I haven't read any review really that's given it more than about two out of five stars. And so very, very disappointing to say this about a new Aussie drama because we have so little Aussie drama at the moment. I mean, ever since COVID and pandemic, all the Australian drama quota content points were dropped. So we have barely any Australian drama anymore on the commercial networks and we're sort of looking to the streaming companies to do the right thing and they bring out something as ordinary as Eden. And my point on the whole thing is all those Byron Bay locals that are jumping up and down about Byron Bays, a show they haven't seen yet on Netflix, what do they think about Eden? In yeah. Nobody's got anything to say about that, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It hasn't had um, many good reviews here at all. In fact, one thing I was looking at, I was trying to find out if it had, it just hasn't been reviewed much at all, let alone any good reviews. So I take it some people these days, and this comes out of the nine broader family, if there's a show that critics don't like, they tend maybe not to review it, which you can understand with an Australian production because it's absolutely it can be hard. You want to support local productions. Um but and yeah, and it's just hard to be too negative about something you really don't like. Yeah, yeah. Is it my, I mean, it's incredibly disappointing. You know, you don't, I never, ever want to sink the boot into an Australian drama. But, you know, when even Luke Buckmaster from The Guardian can't find something nice to say about it, you know, and, and, and these are the people that love Australian productions, you know that something has gone terribly wrong in the translation from whatever was on the script to what's end up being made. I think my biggest problem with Eden is that it's so joyless, you know, it's uh, about unlikable people. And I've, I've got to throw a question out there. Was there a intimacy coordinator uh, on the set during the frequent nude sex scenes? Because there's something very weird going on. All of the young actors who are doing the nude scenes are all covering up during the nude scenes. They all have their arms across their breasts, the women, and, you know, the men are very coy too. And yet we throw Maggie Kirkpatrick to the wolves by making her do a full frontal nude scene as a catatonic old woman. And you go, hang on a sec, if you're going to make the old woman strip naked and walk around full frontal, why aren't you asking the young actors to 
be free Byron Bay hippies and show it all the way they're meant to in Eden. I, I, I just wonder if an intimacy coordinator was involved in those scenes that, that made them so covered up. I think working with the um, producers on, was it on this series? I, I, I haven't looked into it too deeply, but there was a, a form, there was a show called Deadlock, um, I think made by um, Every Cloud Again, which is Deb Cox. Yeah. Um, and Fiona Egger. There was a show called Deadlock a couple of years ago about um, a, a crash near Byron Bay that killed four teenagers. Like a car crash? Yeah. So they've sort of covered this sort of um, sort of this subject matter before or this. So this is sort of a maybe a, another, I know, a step up away from that. Yeah. That, that first drama called Deadlock was inspired, they said, by uh, the UK drama Skins. Yes. Drawing on the real-life experiences of Australian teens. Yep. And this this could even have some of the same actors, I think, that were in um, Deadlock. Well, I don't feel that Eden's based on reality at all. It's about this kind of pretend place where nobody's acting like a real person that you know. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's one of those dramas that's kind of been fil filmed through the filter of let's make this a drama that can travel around the world on international streaming sites. It's going to be set in Australia with Australian accents, but we're going to be a bit... You know, it's set in a mythical place called Eden. There's a lighthouse. And, I mean, this is what Tidelands did on Netflix and it's kind of what Dive Club is doing now on 10 Peach, filming it in Australia, using Australian locations, but with the cast you make it a bit diverse, you throw in a few international actors and then the show can kind of be set anywhere as it travels around the world. Yeah. The... um. What Eden has done is it's had some pretty significant um, international sales. Wow. It's going to be screened in New Zealand. I think Sky have bought it for New Zealand. It's going to be screened in France and it's going to be screened right across Scandinavia. There were a couple of um, sales that were announced just this week. So it's yeah. getting getting some traction in international markets, but um, I believe, you know, you'd People do buy shows without being able to see them all. They might just buy off the trailer. There's a particularly good trailer, um, you know. Oh, Village Roadshow once sold Paradise Beach to all across America. They sold it all around the world before they'd made a single episode using footage that they cut from Queensland Tourism and the Coolangatta Gold, a giant movie. So, you know, they just made this trailer, sold it everywhere, then made the show and, of course, all those stations were horrified at what they got. It wasn't shot on 35 millimetre, if you know what I mean, or 70 mil. Yeah, so, yeah, you can uh, you can pre-sell stuff with the right pitch, uh, but you've still got to deliver the product. Sure. I watched that first episode of Eden there. Like you, I wasn't impressed, and I found little reason to sort of keep going. So, you know, that that probably won't happen. Um there's, a, there's an interesting cast, um, in, including uh, now there's an Aussie guy 
who was in Ozark, I think Christopher James Baker. Right. Um, and he's made a few, I think he's making New Gold Mountain at the moment. And I think that's a series coming to SBS. Yep. Oh, the, yeah, 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 the Gold Rush one. The, yeah. yeah. was announced a couple of years ago, so I think it was delayed by COVID. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's still in production. I'm really uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. He was also in, um, yeah, as I said, he made Ozark and he's made a couple of things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. he was in and the series Stargirl. Yeah. Yep. They might be Marvel um, um, series. I'm not sure, but not the sort of stuff I'd watch. But he's carved out a great career in the U.S. Yeah. So, well, I mean, um, there definitely is a, a few American actors in there. I mean, Cody Fern's in there from, you know, who's in some of those Ryan Murphy productions. He's the American movie star. Okay. And of course, everyone's trying to figure out if this is meant to be Chris Hemsworth. And it's like, no, I don't think it's Chris Hemsworth. It might have a bit of a Zac Efron vibe about it, but the show was made before he arrived there. So I think it's a fictional movie star for sure. Does Samuel Johnson get a bit more to do? Because he didn't have a lot to do in that first episode. I watched three episodes and he barely had anything to do in three episodes. And the problem for Eden for me is this girl goes missing at the end of the first episode and the care factor was zero. It was like that girl annoyed me. She was unlikable. If you're going to hinge your entire show around the missing fate of a girl, you've got to care about that character first. Yeah. Uh, another Aussie drama and something you like is coming the end, end of its run, sadly. Which is? Doctor, Doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah, Doctor, Doctor, finally coming to an end on Channel 9 after five seasons. I know the township of Mudgee will be very sad to see them go, but look, it is time. I think that it may be outstayed its welcome by a season or two. Um, I think, but, you know, that takes nothing away from how great the show was when it was devised. I think that Nine should always be applauded for reinventing the medical genre and reinventing the rural drama. I think the first few seasons of Doctor Doctor were outstanding and I wish that Nine would take what they did with Doctor and take that thinking into a new Australian drama because they were really onto something with Doctor Doctor and they haven't struck lightning since. So go back to what made Dr. Doctor a great hit uh, with their next Aussie drama. Yeah, now we had Ian Colley on our, um, our a recent podcast for the series. Uh, Jack Irish. Jack Irish, of course. Yeah. Now he's also the producer of Dr. Doctor. Now you asked him about the future of Dr. Doctor, I think, and he said, oh, look, we're not sure what yeah. Nine's going to do, and you expounded your theory about, you know, why don't networks use the blueprint that they uh, used for Dr. Doctor on other series, and he didn't disagree with you that it was a, a good idea. Well, you see, the thing that was so great about Dr. Doctor was that they took what worked with cable dramas in terms of having an anti-hero and all of that type of bad boy lead and they put that into a commercial feel-good drama and it's very hard to merge those two things and and take a cable drama and make it family friendly enough for commercial tv but they did it and they did it really well and there's no reason why someone couldn't try that again with a different genre of drama superwog is not something i'd normally watch doesn't sort of come up on my radar but you enjoy it 
I think it's absolutely hilarious. These guys are obviously pitching at a much younger audience than us. They have, you know, so many YouTube views, millions of YouTube views. But you know what? When you watch one of their episodes, one of their half-hour episodes, which were all up on iView to binge or they're screening on Wednesday night at 9.30, like I watch the episode from beginning to end and kind of chuckle and giggle all the way through it. I think they've definitely got some skills. It's just two guys, they play two friends, and then they they play their mother and father, and they just make sure they surround themselves with uh, lots of extras, some occasional guest stars, and I reckon what they're doing is great and uh, more power to them and uh, well done to the ABC for bringing them back for a second series. Yeah, I'm obviously well out of that demo, and I hasten to add, I'm really not probably in the demo for Eden anyway. So, um, yeah, true, me either. People can certainly throw that uh, at me, and I won't argue with that. A couple of um, factual programs we, we should mention that are on now. It's this one's been a little while coming. The um, the barefoot investor Scott Pape, his yeah. mo- money movement. I think he's been. They've been talking about this for a little while. It's finally on air. Um, are you a follower of the Barefoot Investor, Andrew? Well, I, I admire him greatly for what he's done. I think he's taught a lot of people about finance and I love it that he pivoted it to make it about families and trying to get young kids. And, yes, the Scott Papes money movement was absolutely delayed by COVID. It's right in their episode two. They have to deal with it. He's going into schools, primary school and a high school, trying to figure out a way to teach money and finance to kids kids in a way that makes it interesting and that he doesn't lose them by being too technical. So it's sort of like an experiment, but I just think it's such a great idea because as he says at the start of the show, you know, you're going to need money skills every day of your life and you don't learn about it in school for one day. So well done to Scott Pape for this idea Uh, and I think it's great that schools and teachers are supporting him because I think it is definitely something that should be taught and learnt in schools. And he also encourages everybody in the family to join in. He wants the kids to go home and make this a family exercise. It's just a great idea. Yeah, it is. It's a brilliant idea. And I, I think all of us at some stage in our lives say, gee, if only we'd learn a bit more about this in school, we yeah. might all be a little bit better off, you know, the yeah. um, few very simple savings principles that um, can really, you know, dramatically change your life in later years. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you, you need to learn from it. And it's just such an amazing story, that Barefoot Investor, the book, Sold so many copies. I mean, two million copies, James. I know that's massive. I've got one sitting sitting here somewhere. That you know what's hilarious is that the Barefoot Investor came out through Pluto Press the same time as my Super Aussie Soaps book did. You know, and so I met Scott right (laughs) at the beginning, and he had this little book on finance, and I had this book on soaps. I'm thrilled that his book is still being reprinted all these years later because it, it was practical advice back then, and it still stands true today. Yeah, well, maybe they should look at. uh reigniting the um, the soaps book, you know. Yeah, maybe. Um, also, now Australia Talks. I missed this on Monday night. I think it was the in the week we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, the ABC's really been promoting this survey they did. It's been pushing it out all across their digital properties, heavily uh, talked about 
on uh, on their radio stations around Australia and I guess sort of culminating, if you like, in this TV special on Monday. What was it about? Well, it was a 90-minute special. They went through all the results. Um, I didn't think it was terribly good. I think that they were they were skewing it very young. It was full of comedians and there was canned laughter, which was doing my head in. I understand you don't have studio audiences and you need to create atmosphere, but this same canned laughter over and over again at every gag, it was like, oh, God. I, I didn't understand why it needed to be dressed up to be so funny. I mean, those statistics are interesting enough on their own. And look at the traditional audience for the ABC. I don't think the cool kids were rushing around on Monday night saying, hey, we need to put on <laughs> and see the results of this survey. So why was the show being made and kind of being pitched towards them? It was very odd. Yeah, yeah. And one more thing I'll ask you about, one plus one. Yeah. Um, with Courtney Act as the interviewer. What, uh, what sort of an interview is Courtney? Well, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it today, the first episode. Okay. Who's, who's uh, the subject? The first one is Lisa, one half of the Veronicas. And see, that'll oh. be really interesting because Shane Jenick, who uh, plays Courtney Drag, and the Veronicas, they knew each other as kids. They're in the same, you know, acting, singing and dancing school. So they've known each other since childhood. So I think that'll be a really interesting chat. It's such a shame that we couldn't have done that chat after The Celebrity Apprentice because the Veronicas have had a lot to say about their, the way they were edited on Celebrity Apprentice. So it's sad that it, the, the interview wasn't done a little bit later to have included that take on it. But nevertheless, I'm thrilled for Courtney Act that uh, she is the new host of one plus one, and it starts on Monday, and I'm sure all the episodes will be up on iView. Yeah, okay, one to watch out for. Now, Apple TV Plus has um, something I hadn't looked at for a little while, and if I went back recently, was sort of staggered by the amount of content there. So there's a fair bit of stuff. Um, not all of it gets a lot of publicity, but one they've made a little bit of noise about is uh, physical. Yeah. I think physical is one of those shows just with the title and just the cover art, you know, immediately where it is. It's set in the 80s. It's going to be about aerobics. We see Australian actress Rose Byrne there. I've watched seven episodes now. They're short, James. They're half an hour. She's, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Jane Fonda story. She's a housewife with a eating disorder and a politician husband. And look, um, after when Jane Fonda was married to Tom Hayden in the 80s, uh, she was living a very suburban lifestyle down at Long Beach there. They weren't living in a Hollywood mansion. They were living very simply. And she went into her uh, VHS aerobics exercise empire to raise money for Tom Hayden's campaign. So physical seems to take that story, but then there's no Jane Fonda movie star history there. It kind of goes off on its own track. And in particular, there's a surfy that she is uh, working with to make these videos and his name's Tyler and he's my favourite character in the show. <laughs> I think it's going somewhere. There's an internal monologue that's going on in Rose Byrne's head where she's saying all the time, you're ugly, you're fat, you can't do this. But she's slowly overcoming it and starting to bite back at some of the men in her life that are taking advantage of her. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's uh, set in, I think, 1980s San Diego, isn't it? 
Yeah, maybe a bit more mid-80s or something, yeah. Yeah, and um, the there are similarities between the Tom Hayden because her, her husband starts off as a school teacher in the series, yeah. I think, and yeah. but he gets fired and he decides to go into politics. So there's sort of some similarities there too, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it's really... Good. I've, I read a, a review of it that said they found it really disconcerting how uh, angry she was in this internal monologue. But look, as long as there's a payoff, as long as we're going somewhere, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, that husband's played by a guy called Rory Scovel, who's a, a comedian and a, an actor in the US. Yeah. Haven't really come across him before. Now, while we're still on Apple TV Plus, Andrew, this this was a series I got into on another recommendation of yours. I think it was a lead item almost in one of your Friday Media Week columns. Yeah. I was watching that first episode and I was thinking, oh, my, what what is going on here? And that is, is it Lisey's story? Yeah, with Julianne Moore. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's what really – Yeah, I, I shouldn't have been surprised. You know Stephen King's involved. It's – yeah. It's going to be out there a little bit, but wow! So I didn't realize how sort of full-on horror. There's a bit of delving into the, what supernatural and. Um, well, Stephen King seems to mix horror genres within his own genre now. You know, he said you, you, you're doing one story, and then something really bizarre happens, and you think, "Oh yeah, of course, this is Stephen King. We can go anywhere with this," which is also what worries me about where the narrative is going. But I just think that cast, to have three sisters played by Julianne Moore, Jennifer Jason Lee and Joan Allen, and then to have the dead husband played by Clive Owen in flashback, who also is either a ghost or a figment of Joan Allen's mental health state because she's got serious issues in this. Um, and then, of course, we've got the psycho fan that's, you know, coming after Julianne Moore, insisting that she release her dead husband's uh, works because he's a famous author. There's a lot going on there and I haven't finished it yet, but uh, I'm super impressed by that cast. Yeah, it's a pretty good supporting cast too. The um, Yeah, I was watching that first episode and I, I guess if you get into a, a horror mindset, it's easier to watch because what Joan Allen does to herself in that first episode, it's quite, yeah. it's very hard to watch. But yeah. then when you think about it, okay, look, this is just a sort of a fantasy film, if you like. Yeah. And then that first scene between Clive Owen and Joan Allen, and oof, wow. Yeah, wow, hey. Yeah, that's pretty weird. And then the, you know, he's in hospital later and. Some of the stuff, yeah. It's um, but if you like that sort of stuff, you're going to be blown away by that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what else did I want to ask you about? Now, there's been a few series around that after the um, what's the uh, the mayor of mayor of East Town, mayor of East Town. Yes, people have been in withdrawal a little bit about. Uh how good, you know, the mayor of Easttown was and have been looking for other things. And there's been a, a couple of series that I think are worthy successes, not as good, but would keep you sort of satisfied in your hunger for that sort of thriller. Okay, yeah. And and to me that was something I missed. I think it was on the ABC 
back in May, but it's up on iView now. It's called Smother. Oh, yes. Now, is this an Irish drama, James? It is, yeah, yeah. It's an Irish thriller. Um, again, very strong uh, female cast yep. led, led by uh, Dervla Kerwin. Right. Most people fondly remember, or many people fondly remember from her role in Ballykiss Angel. Yes, of course. All those years ago. She was sort of the co-star of that series almost, if you like. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliant. It's really good. I've, I've watched all six episodes. It's just fantastic. Um, set in very bleak sort of Irish setting on the west coast of Ireland. It's very windswept. There's some houses, a village right near the ocean, and the waves come up and just batter the whole joint. You, you wonder how you could actually live there. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they just picked out some particularly bad days to sort of highlight the challenges uh, that the, the residents face there. But it's just just fantastic. Um, the start of the the six series, there's a sort of function. Uh, Dervla, um, who plays uh, Val, a sort of a very protective mother of um, uh, three daughters, and you would say probably overprotective. Um, her, she's separated from her husband, and that's sort of revealed at this. I think it's a it's a birthday party for her, yeah. and. Sort of he, it's not a spoiler to say, look, he dies that night. Yeah, it happens, yep. happens right at the start. Yep. yep. And then it just goes into this a, a list of suspects as long as you're armed. Yeah, and, right. and you don't find out to right near the end how he, you know, what happened to him. But it's just, it's really good. It's just fascinating. The other one from Ireland I would recommend, James, is Three Families, which is on BBC. It's only two parts. It's, you know, about the issues facing women there because abortion isn't legal. And, right. you know, it's about some families where, you know, there's, there's one story in it where the woman is told, look, you've got an abnormal fetus. It's going to die the moment it's born in excruciating pain. And she says, well, then let's terminate the pregnancy. And they say, no, no, sorry, you're going to have to just go through it all. And uh, it's really shocking because it's really recent history. It starts in 2015. And uh, to, to think that they're so behind the rest of the world and that women have to travel to England to get procedures done like that. It's really quite shocking. So three families are on BBC First. Okay. The other one that's been sort of satisfying, my Mayor of East Town uh, withdrawal, is The Pact. Oh, it's, yeah. It's on Stan. Again, Just another outstanding female cast. Yep. Four very strong female characters um, leading this. Um, Laura Fraser as Anna. People yep. might remember her. She played in... Uh, Played a character in Breaking Bad and then again in Better Call Saul. Yep. Um, she was in The Missing, I think the second season of The Missing, and also in Traces, which I've talked about on a recent um, podcast, which was a Scottish crime drama. But the other character is Julie Headsman Hay, I think it is, a long-time yeah, Coronation Street character. Oh, yeah, massive uh, massive in the Coronation Street history. She played uh, Haley, who was, uh, you know, transgender. And oh, okay. And was, you know, in an era of Coronation Street when it didn't have any LGBT characters and she ended up uh, winning over the audience and marrying Roy Cropper, the old guy who ran the cafe. So, you know, that was a major, major uh 
trans positive story in the history of UK television there. And she's done heaps of stuff since leaving Corish. I mean, you see her in Happy Valley and I think she was in Broadchurch and, you know, she's happy to play supporting roles, but she is a great actress. Oh, yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, very recognisable. As soon as you see her, you go, oh, now, what what, what's yeah. she been in, you know? But, yeah. uh, but she plays one of four friends. They all work at a 100-year-old family brewery. It's yep. set in Wales, some brilliant Welsh countryside. Yeah. Um, again, there's a, there's a death um, sort of early on in the piece, and it's sort of twists and turns about how this, um, how the investigation plays out. But yeah. it's, uh, it's well worth watching. Uh, again, just six episodes, The Pact, they're all up on stand, so you can sort of knock that off in a couple of settings. Fantastic. Something that um, is a bit outside of our remit, we don't often mention shows that are on um, the Discovery Channel. Now, this one, I, I just came across late night. I was flicking around and I, I don't know why I stopped on it, but I did. It's called Expedition to the Edge. Now, this is something that happened, I think, back in 2018. Right. It's a sailing boat that wanted to try and get around the they called the Northwest Passage. Now, that's the uh, water that separates North America from the North Pole, from the Arctic. And there's certain months of the year where the ice breaks up and ships are able to get through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they thought, okay, a lot of ships have tried this. I think they became the first sailing boat to actually do it. So, and it's just an amazing uh, story. I've only seen the first episode because I'm pretty sure it hasn't been on here before. It's, it was aired overseas on Discovery internationally, I think maybe last year. Right. But it's it's being run here now. One of the interesting things for people here, there's an Aussie on board uh, from Sydney, a Sydney sort of filmmaker, and he's one of the crew. And these are sort of semi-hippie guys, if you like, very laid back. And that first episode is amazing. They have to overhaul their boat a little bit because the engine's stuffed. They need to get in a new engine. There's lots of rust on all different parts of the boat. And you're sort of looking in this wondering, wow, how is this this uh, sailing boat ever going to make it through all this ice? And, and you know what? About the fact that there's children on board this. He's taking a family. It's really <laughs> dangerous. He's got two young kids, yeah. You yeah. know, and you can, wow, is this... You know, should you be doing this? And he, one stage he tested the camera, look, don't judge me, you know. <laughs> but but they have trouble even. They start off in the Marshall Islands, which is sort of dead centre of the Pacific Ocean, if you like, and that's where they head off to um, to the edge of Alaska to, to get in there. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to just tracking this and seeing how they go. So it's Expedition to the Edge and it's on Discovery. Oh, nice to give a plug to Discovery there. We don't do that often. You're right, James. Yeah, no, no, we should. We should. Uh, another series I've watched, now this is on SBS On Demand. It's called Atlantic Crossing, and, again, it deals with crossing a body of sea. This time it's on the eastern seaboard of the US, and it's the Atlantic Ocean between uh, the US and Great Britain, or more importantly, Norway in this case, because it's about the um, World War II when the Nazis overran Norway. So this is a drama, right? It, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's factual. It's retelling the story of the yeah. king of Norway 
got out and his son, the uh, prince, and his wife, the I think she was the princess, um, they got out of Norway. They went to England and they also went to Washington. Yeah, and got and involved with uh, Roosevelt, the president, right? Absolutely, yep, yep. And it's just a fascinating telling, you know, of the, um, of the story of President Roosevelt and um, the Norwegian crown princess Martha. Hmm. Now, Ma- Martha's the real star of this story. Well, her husband plays a pretty significant role, but, but Martha's really the, the, the star. A character played by Sophia Hallen and Kyle MacLachlan plays uh, Franklin Roosevelt. That's Kyle McLaughlin. I watched <laughs> yeah. the trailer. Oh my God, I didn't pick it. Yeah, and he is just brilliant, you know. Wow. Just watching these two together. And they have quite a relationship. Now it's never detailed if they were if they ever were intimate, if you like. Yeah. But there's plenty of times they're alone together. They don't seem to be because um President Roosevelt had a quite a significant disability. Right. Um, he was in his wheelchair and he actually, I think he died in office during his fourth term, um, just before the end of the Second World War. But well, it's just. I, I don't suppose that Eleanor Roosevelt would have minded so much. You know, the rumors have always been that she could have been a lesbian. She, she had lots of lesbian friends and, you know, they've talked about that for years. So maybe she was quite happy for uh, FDR to spin off to the princess's bedroom. Yeah, she's not portrayed as a terribly happy character in this. She's um, she's a bit sort of, I don't know, angry and seems upset with her lot in life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just amazing. Now, this Swedish star, I didn't realise until just about half an hour ago, Sophia Halen, who, who's a sort of big star of this, is actually in Mystery Road 2. Can you remember the Swedish archaeologist? Oh, hello. You mean <laughs> the bridge? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man, she's so versatile. I see her in things uh, all the time. And, you know, I watched some film once and just went, oh, my God, there she is. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah. So okay. it gives, they've got another good reason to watch this now. Saga. So. That was the name of the detective she played. Saga. My God, I watched every series of The Bridge. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's, a, that's amazing. It was a co-pro between, I think, um, a, a Norwegian um, production company and uh, PBS in the US. Oh, right. So a lot of it's in English, uh, also a lot of it's spoken in um, Norwegian. There's subtitles for that, obviously, but it's, yeah, it's just a... Um, screening it? It's on SBS On Demand. SBS On Demand, okay, thanks. Yeah, which leads me to say those ad breaks on SBS On Demand, it's been doing my head in, I'm sorry. There's one menu log ad that is played virtually every ad break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's just I think any ad played every ad break would do your head yeah. in, but, but this one is just particularly annoying. That is not yeah. unique to SBS. You can watch. No, no, we shouldn't single them out. Seven plus. You're absolutely right. They do the deal with the advertiser and they seem to have every break. And you're right. It becomes really, really annoying. Yeah. Just back to that discovery quickly too. The I didn't mention the Aussie filmmaker who's on board. Tim Charity is his name. It's okay. C-H-A-R-O-D-Y. He's actually on Instagram and he's got he's been putting up a lot of shots recently from the voyage. So oh, it's um okay. it's worth worth checking out. Is is an interesting 
interesting bloke. Yeah. Um, something else that's not a drama, unlike most of the stuff we normally talk about, Clarkson's Farm. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Clarkson, um, the sort of British uh, best known for his work on, um, on the motoring shows uh, for the BBC and more recently Amazon Prime. Right. This is, he, he had a farm, as, as a lot of people do, an investment. You know, he didn't spend a lot of time there and he had it under management. But I think a couple of years ago, the, the manager retired and Clarkson thought, well, I could either employ somebody else or I could go in and um, do it myself. And he decided to go in and do it himself. So he's, um, he's gone to um, Amazon Prime and they've thought, look, this might make an interesting documentary. So they've filmed him trying to run his farm and it's pretty funny. Right. It's pretty amazing. And, it, of course, during the making of it, COVID strikes. I think there are, it's about episode three or four. He has to start dealing with COVID as well as all the other dramas. And um, for anybody who dreams about just going to a farm and sort of kicking back and um, having an easy life, it's a bit of an eye-opener. Um, you wouldn't necessarily do it like Jeremy Clarkson does, but no. he does have some of the challenges that most farmers would face. And he's got a few extras just because of the the sort of gregarious character that he is. Like he spends way too much money on farm equipment and machinery and all this sort of stuff. But it's just hilarious dealing all the challenges he has. And there's a really good supporting cast too. There's a um, well, interesting sorry. to say that because the ABC's got a new show coming on Friday nights. So I guess Gardening Australia is going on a break. It's called Move Into the Country. And, you know, it's Craig Quartermain hosts it. So, I mean, it's it's kind of this, I guess it'll be a bit like Escape to the Country, which I know is hugely popular uh, on 7-2 on Friday and Saturday nights. People watch it for hours on end. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. I've actually watched that first episode of that and it's pretty good. Um, I'm I'm dead in that sort of um, demo for that sort of stuff who, uh, ah. you know, living in the city, dreaming about getting out which it'll yeah. probably never happen. But anyway, yeah. look, quickly, some of the supporting cast in this Top Gear thing. There's a guy called Gerald Cooper who's his sort of accountant, sort of business advisor. He turns up every now and then and just shakes his head in despair at what at the money Jeremy spent and what the way he goes about trying to, like, everything from plough the fields to sort of um, look after the flock of sheep he, he, he buys and then breeds. It's just really funny, this guy every time he turns up and he's got a, a young farm worker called Caleb Cooper. Now, Caleb Cooper couldn't be better if he'd come from central casting. He's just oh. ideal as this sort of, he's not bumbling because he knows a lot more than Jeremy does about farming and just seeing the interaction between those two is really worth the time of, of watching this. And you even get to see uh, Jeremy's girlfriend, somebody called Lisa Hogan, um, sort of a bit of insight into uh, into Clarkson's private life, if you like. She takes on a role in the series, so it's it's one to watch out for. It's on Amazon Prime, Clarkson's Farm, and of course, Farmer Wants a Wife coming on seven. I presume after this school holidays break, are we about to go into a non ratings period? It feels like it to me. No, there's really no more non-ratings. Oh, okay. we, we, Easter's really the only non-ratings break from February through till the oh, end of November. Okay. Okay. I think um, I think Farmer Wants a Wife, one of those shows I, I persevere with, I quite like it. I think it's following Big Brother, I'm pretty sure. I think it's, uh, 
That might be starting next week. I don't see it in the guide for next week, but July five. It was a it was a later a, a late edition, I think. They only revealed it recently. Might have been too late for printed guides. Oh, okay. Then maybe it's one of those things they were keeping it. You know, keeping you guessing uh, about when it would be on because they don't like to reveal their hand in case another network tries to do a spoiler. Now, look, I want to ask you about the unusual suspects. Yeah, I loved it. Four episodes on SBS. I watched it in one night. Just loved it because you know SBS dramas or uh, Australian dramas always have that multicultural feel to it. And they always focus on a different community. And this one's about Filipino Australians. But this time they were able to make their points and talk about the divide between, you know, classes and talk about racist behaviour. But they wrapped it up in such a fun, silly, gorgeously filmed jewel heist drama with rich women teaming up with their maids and nannies to steal a diamond. Incredible cast, Susie Porter and Miranda Otto and Peter O'Brien, and I just loved it from beginning to end. Yeah, look, I dived into it after on your recommendation in your Media Week column, and I've got to say they did nearly lose me at one stage, but I think the... Can we say that there's a heist that happens during it, and it happens about halfway through? Yeah. And then it sort of... It ramps up again, you know. You think, oh, oh. wow, actually, you know, it, it re-sort re, re of juvenates the, yeah. the storyline, if you like, and you really want to stick with it then to find out what happens. But it's all very well done. You're right. The cast is brilliant. The producers, Angie Fielder and Polly uh, Staniford, think they run Aquarius Films. They've done yeah. a great job. They've, they've really, really done a great job. And see, that's an Australian drama you could sell all around the world. Yeah. I mean, it's set in Australia. They go to find this beautiful house at Gordon's Bay there on the coast at the Sydney Eastern suburbs. And, you know, it just looked a million bucks because they had everybody living in these amazing houses. And that's then the type of show you can send all around the world and people would go, wow, look at that. Yeah, and the Filipino cast. Oh. That, that storyline is just brilliant, the way that's – there's just so many layers to the show. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, um, that's the really messages good. in it were very subtle, but you couldn't miss them. I just thought it was brilliant. I should give a little shout-out to another of our colleagues from uh, Media Week, Tess Connery, who did a great interview, I think, with, um, with Angie and Polly from Aquarius Films. And uh, you can find that on our Media Week website, as well as the Mercado on TV columns, where Andrew sort of bangs on about this. But it's you read that and you'll want to watch this because he's um, very effusive about it. The, uh, and their attention to detail, even like the credits for the show, are really smart, you know. Yeah. And they've yeah. gone to so much trouble. You think, well, somebody spends this much time doing a very clever set of credits. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be that same sort of attention to detail will be sort of uh, reflected in the series, and it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's they've spent their money well that time. SBS. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, um, Breeders season two. Yeah. Something I've just started again. I didn't realise it was on till the other day. Ten episodes. Um, I really liked the first season. Uh, and uh, I'd recommend it. I think it's on Foxtel. Um, and it's just just really good. Very funny. A young couple um, bringing up their two children in London. And yeah. it's, in a way, it's a guide of 
not what to do, you know. It's um, they, they don't pretend to be the perfect parents. Uh, Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard play the, the um, I think don't think they're married, they're just partners. But um, the, the kids are a little bit older than they were in the first season. Right. And it's just um, just really good viewing. It's very funny. I think I saw a trailer. There's like the mother-in-laws there now, and maybe there's yep. more action with the in-laws. Yep, yep, there is. I think the in-laws were in the first season oh, too, they? a little bit. Yeah, I didn't yeah. stick with the first one. I didn't like it all that much. I was, didn't you? I found it all just a little bit. They're a bit too angry, a bit too. <laughs> we hate being parents, and I was like, oh, geez, can't you know? So yeah, I, I didn't love it, so I didn't stick with it. Yeah, no, that appealed to me a little bit. Not everybody loves Martin Freeman in in his roles. But I mean, he's done a lot of great stuff. He was in the original um, Office, I think, in the UK, wasn't he? It was oh, his sort of Ricky Gervais. That was kind of his his breakthrough role. Yeah, fast tracked him if you a little bit, if you like. And he's done a lot. He was in the um, Lord of the Rings. He had a role in it. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a Hobbit or something. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, so I've never actually watched any of the Lord of the Rings. Um, well, I watched the three movies. Lord of the Rings movies, but I drew the line at The Hobbit. It's like, yeah. so you're going to make three three-hour movies about <laughs> 90 pages long? Come on. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that's Breeders Season 2. And now there's, look, there's I've got a little list of, uh, of some interesting stuff I'm looking out for, so I might run through that. Okay. And there'll be things we'll talk about in future episodes. Yep, yep. And then I might leave it for you to end on um, if you've got any other recommendations. There's a couple of things that have just been on in the UK that I'm really hanging out for. One is Time uh, with Sean Bean and Stephen Graham. Yeah. I think it's a prison drama, as I gather. I haven't read too much about it. Written it's, by it, it's a prison drama, all right. <laughs> Very hard to watch say, some of the reviewers, so I'm sort of bracing myself. But Sean Bean with Jimmy McGovern, to me, that's probably a must-watch. Well, if Jimmy McGovern is doing a series set in a prison, I'd say it would be absolutely must-see. But, see, Stephen Graham's got that other series on Stan called The Virtues that I saw on a couple of the, because we've just had our six-month, what are the best shows of 2021 so far, and uh, I saw one list that put The Virtues at number one, and it's a show that I started watching on stand, haven't finished because it's pretty dark. Um, but you know, it's 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 great stuff. But I think you've got to be in the right mood to watch it. But what I'm what I'm excited about with this new one is that uh, if you see it, watch the trailer, you see in the prison that one of the guards is played by uh, uh, Sue Johnston. Is it? Okay. In um, the royal family, she was the mother in the royal family. Oh yes, yep. You know, just looks great. But yeah, I, if, if Jimmy McGovern makes something, I watch it, even though I want to slash my wrists by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I think this one is going to be pretty bleak for sure, for sure. Yeah, Sue Johnston plays um, June Cobden. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look out for that one now. Something else that's also been on recently in the UK is Together. Now, I um, don't know a lot about this one. In fact, I thought I made some notes, but I didn't. So, yeah, it's a it's sort of a COVID uh, drama, if you like. So it's people sort of – it's a couple thrown together more than they would um, normally be and – 
um, it's it's just what happens to them. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm struggling here to just quickly say who is in this, but I can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sharon Horgan, of course, is in it. Oh, okay, right. And James McAvoy. Now, they're the two leads. So, um, okay, got it, got it. Now I want to watch it too. Yeah, it's a couple forced to reevaluate the reevaluate themselves and their relationship after being, you know, thrown into lockdown. So it's just been screened in the UK. Just sensational reviews. I think it got some really good audiences. So yeah. I'm looking out for that one as well. Now there's an Anthony Bourdain feature doco. Uh, it's about to be released in the UK. It's called Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. So I'm, that this just sounds fantastic. There's a trailer that's been released of a couple of minutes. Um, Roadrunner, they're using the um, Ramones song Roadrunner as the theme oh. music. Um, so that, that looks just fantastic. I think CNN Films are one of the co-producers involved. Of course, um, Bourdain finished his career making making um, series for CNN. So hopefully it will eventually screen on CNN, but I think it might get a cinema release before then. Right. Um, Bloodlands is already out. I think it's on SBS On Demand. It's still screening on SBS as well, I think. So it's James Nesbitt playing a Northern Ireland police detective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anything James Nesbitt's in, I, I'm... I'm a uh, volunteer to watch, so we'll we'll watch that one soon and chat about that. Guilt is also on SBS On Demand. Now, this is something from 2019. It's a Scottish thriller about a couple of guys involved in a hit and run and then what happens in the aftermath. Oh, Scottish- now, I watched this. This is really, whoa, it was, <laughs> we're, we're talking black humour here, okay. really black. Like, you know, they kill someone and they don't give a shit about it. It's just about <laughs> covering their tracks. It's it's pretty full on. Right. Okay. Yeah, that just, just sounds fascinating. So I'll be looking out for that one. And then one more that will be coming um, is Professor T, it's called. Now, this has been on ITV in the US, which means it could be on BritBox here or maybe Seven. I, th- I think that's where it'll probably end up, hopefully not too distant future. But it's a it's a format which has been made before. I think Belgium was the original and then Germany also made so, yeah. a, a version of this. I think the Belgian one's been on SBS. It might even still be on SBS On Demand. I didn't have time to check this today. Um, ben Miller plays the lead in this. Um, he's, he's sort of a guy who's often mistaken for Rob Brydon, and the two of them have the two of them have had a bit of fun about this on air in the past as well. Um, ben Miller was in Bridgerton. He was the original uh, lead of Death in Paradise. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I know who you mean. Yep, made the first three seasons. I think he repri- reprised his role in the most recent season as well, uh, season ten. So I'm really looking at. He plays uh, an eccentric eccentric criminologist at Cambridge University. So that's that's something that um, is right up my alley. I love those sort of uh, English thrillers. So does he get confused with Rob Brydon in the same way that TV Guides printed uh, that Australia Talks was hosted by Waleed Ali this week instead of Nassim Hussain, who said, you're kidding me, not again. Apparently this happens <laughs> to them all the time. Really? Yeah, and I think these two, to me, they don't look alike. No, they don't look alike at all. But oh, yeah. No, but Rob and um, and Ben do actually look alike. You see them 
even when I was looking this morning, I thought, gee, he looks like Rob Brydon. And uh, sure enough, he, uh, he, he does very much look like Rob Brydon. They do look alike. They do. Whereas with Waleed and uh, Nassim, it's just that they're two Muslim hosts in Australia. So obviously that must be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to talk about, I think, was it the pact where we were um, speaking about, yeah, now I said it was a very strong female cast, but I overlooked the fact that Adrian Edmondson actually has a, a fairly significant role in this as well. And I don't think he makes a lot of TV these days. He does either, no. No, of course, fondly remembered from The Young Ones where he played yes. Vivi, Vivian. Yeah. I think he was the hippie, wasn't he, from memory? No, Vivian was the punk. Oh, the punk. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. Okay. Yep, Married yep. to Jennifer Saunders in real life. Yes, yes, indeed. So, yeah, he's he's really good in this. The bloody, he's, he's really, he's not not a laugh out loud, ha-ha funny character, but he plays a very odd, yeah. um, very odd character. So watch out for that. Anyway, so what do you want to leave us with, Andrew? Well, I just want to leave you with the one I'm waiting for is the new HBO uh, comedy called The White Lotus. It's filmed in Hawaii. It's about uh, a tropical resort over the course of one week and the cast, James, Australian actor Murray Bartlett from Tales of the City and Okay. Yep. And Connie Britton and Jennifer Coolidge. So I tell you what, the gays are on board to watch that. <laughs> we'll watch anything with Jennifer Coolidge in it. Um, and it sounds to me like, it, I don't know, is it going to have a bit of a maybe Fantasy Island vibe to it? Can you believe that they're making another TV series of Fantasy Island, by the way? They've just made a Blumhouse horror movie of it. Right. You know, they've already made it for TV once before with Malcolm McDowell, but then yeah. another TV series of it. So I don't know if the White Lotus is going to be like that, but, yeah, islands and resorts look like they're going to be hot from American TV for the next few months. And just just before we go to the one of the hottest shows that people are watching at the moment is Lockie. Yeah. Which um, isn't really my cup of tea. I think it's a Marvel character, isn't it? But um, yeah. I had a bit of a look at the first episode it's, it's very well done but it's just i don't know yeah you've, you've got to really buy into that marvel universe i think too yeah um, i'll write about it this week for media week like okay it's it's uh tom hiddleston plays loki and you've got owen wilson in this tv series but again you've just got to You've got to be really uh, immersed into that Marvel universe to understand what they're banging on about with timelines <laughs> this and portals here and there. And oh, I just find it exhausting. But the kids love it, James. They do. They do. Oh, Again, outside. My cousin talks to me about Marvel all the time. He like binds me at every party. Andrew, Andrew, what do you think about this? And I have to pretend I know all about it. So I learn about Marvel just so I can have conversations with him. The kids love it. And gee, they um they drop some money on it too, don't they? Just the the effects and it's that's just so well done. And it's just just amazing the uh what what they can do. Yeah, I agree. What they can do with special effects these days, these young folk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, great uh, talking with you, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks for um, another great podcast. You can read Andrew every Friday in Media Week. Subscribe to the Media Week Morning Report with his Mercado on TV column. We'll talk again soon, Andrew. Thanks, James. Have a good week.